Two Idiots and an Expert, episode 11. We're here in the basement at the Cops Residence. I'm Lee. I'm Cops. You don't sound too excited. Uh, I've been I've been messing with these sounds. Big, wait, big news. Yeah. We're on, we've upgraded mics, and we've got, what is that thing called in front of us? It's called a Focusrite. No, but what's it do? It's a mixer. A mixer. Yeah. And we've got a headphone amplifier. Yep. And so not only... Look, well, the reason why we did this is because I think we're at episode 11, mm-hmm. all right? Mm-hmm. And we were getting comments like, everyone, thank God, loves the podcast. It's great. Good entertainment. Sometimes our sound is an issue, and it's driving people crazy. And I've had, like, um, friends, relatives, you know, just be like, yeah, you got to fix the sound. So Some people more aggressive than others. Yeah. So Other now, now we're here. like, it works. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I feel like like this is somewhat still of a test. We're not mm-hmm. there yet. But then there might be some post-editing stuff which has to happen. You're nervous? It's just too much. <laughs> that right there, the pop that you just did, yeah. you're going to have to fix in post. Why am I going to have to fix that? You don't have to. I'm joking. Um, what is exciting about but, this? But it is loud. Like, I see it now. It's loud. Yeah. Wow. You're like, did you put the timer on? Yeah, I got. The, I mean, I know I'm at a minute and 27 seven seconds. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we're getting too. better. But now, like, remember when we first had our first podcast years ago mm-hmm. and we were discussing like getting a sound engineer and all stuff and i'm like that's crazy like what now not so crazy no it totally mm. makes sense <laughs> did you hear the, the kitchen table yeah like now doing all this is like <laughs> i got like a wicked headache like, trying to figure all by this way, out by the way it's your own fault you could have worked on this like like last week and you got it for an I hour know, but i, I just didn't want to do it this morning but now, like, I'm staring at the screens, and I'm looking at it, and stop, I'm trying to... Stop overanalyzing. And I'm looking, I'm like, because we've got, like, green lights blinking, and we've I mean, got... It looks great. Uh, it's just a lot of I'm stuff I'm very proud on. of you. Uh, you drove into the city to B&H. Not a sponsor. No. Um, we spent, I don't know... Could be a sponsor. What, what did we spend? Four, five, five hundred bucks, maybe? I mean, Not all, a lot. No, all in, like, like four to five hundred four, bucks. Four, four hundred bucks, five hundred yeah. bucks. Yeah, yeah, it's not so bad. So that's um, that's but we, good. But we got the same microphones. We have the same... Like, everything should be equalized. But but again, I don't know if I now have to spend a lot of time in post, which, again, if I do... You're going to kill yourself. I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to kill somebody. Me, yeah, probably. but I'm looking at... Like, I'm, I'm staring I at this now, golden. and... I, mean, I think we're golden. I think This we're is going to be amazing. This is going to be a legendary episode today. I'm very excited for uh, PR uh, owner of PR firm uh, uh, Rosie Matteo. Uh, she specializes in cannabis branding and cannabis companies. And, and cannabis is huge now. Huge, huge. So that's this is. I'm very excited to talk to Rosie when we get her on later. Yep. Is it um, weird that you're hearing me in your head? Because it's the first time we're wearing headphones. I mean, this is like real. By the way, when I fall asleep at night, I hear you in my head. No, but is it weird for you now? Like this is like we both have headphones on. It's, it's pleasurable. It is. I'm exciting because I feel like now you know, like we. All he- sorry, <laughs> like now we hear each other. Actually, all these people used to just hear us in their head all the time. Now I hear us in our head. Yeah. All right. Unbelievable. This is. I mean, I'm. I might go cry after we take a break. Um, so exciting, right? We're excited for the, for Rosie. We're excited for new gear. We're excited for 2021. Happy new year, Steven. Oh, happy new year to you as well. And to our listeners. And to our listeners. Thank you for joining us today. Um, we're excited. We're, we are, I mean, I want to, I want to fudge it. I'm not really a fudger. We're, we're at, I want to say 2000. I think we're close to 2000. Pretty damn close. We're at, to be exact. Cause 
I, I mean, technically, if we stay... 1,962 downloads over amazing. 10 episodes. The last week's episode, fastest to 100 downloads. It's already at 185. Sorry, Adam Rin. The Sperminator lapped you and Mr. Beautiful and the Muse and Gila. And nope, not Jody. Jody's still in the lead. Yeah. And Rachel Doob. Rachel Doob is still in the lead. I, well, I kind of spoke to Lee after we did the Sperminator. Who? You spoke to who? Lee. That'd be you. Oh. You just say you. Oh, whatever. I spoke to you after. Well, I'm doing the third person thing. But I spoke to you after, and I was like, I think all of our future guests should have 73 kids. Tomorrow. Worst idea ever. <laughs> no, I really, really liked last week's episode. I mean, I, and what I found really fascinating about it is a lot of people after had so many questions that they wanted to ask. And like, you should ask this, and you should ask that. I don't think any of the questions are legit, but send them in anyway um yeah. i think that one of our ideas of having him on with jody so jody can like read his family tree and like learn about his history might be interesting but we'll cross that bridge yeah, down the road what, what i'd love to do and i said this to lee also i, I think this is for <laughs> we have, say you <laughs> we have a lot of goals for 2021 we do we do oh okay i, I think you do <laughs> and so you don't tell me what they are. What no, are they? right. So write them down. But these are some of my goals. Maybe you can give some of your goals. Oh, you have for the like, podcast. Oh, podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Podcast goals. What yeah, are your goals? goals? Okay. So some of my podcast goals. Number one is I want to increase our lis- listenership, which I think we can. I think we will. Um, but the biggest one. How I, are you going to do that? I don't know. Okay. So it's a goal without an attainable like action item. Not yet. These are just goals. It's an issue. Yeah. So so one of our goals, which we actually we we did. In two days was to have the sound better. We'll check that one off. Nothing's better than crossing off. I'm gonna put number two as upgrade equipment and then cross it off. Yeah, because we upgraded our equipment. It should sound way better. And if it does, if it I does, cross it off. Yeah, bingo. Cross it off the list. Good. So I wanted that to happen. What I wanted to do is I wanted to be able to include our listeners a little bit more. So I brought up this idea to Lee, where we have a Zoom call and then we have listeners come into the Zoom call, we'll mute them, and then we have like a Q&A session, whether I, it's with the guest or whatever, so they're actually involved in our experience. So the question experience. is, how do we vet the listeners so they're not like, how do I put this nicely, guest idiots? So so the, the way I thought about it, first of all, we can mute everyone because we're controlling the Zoom meeting, right? right? Like we're controlling it. And then also, I think we start off kind of small. We kind of, what's that? My feet got cold. You want me to rub them? No. <laughs> By the way, that leads me. Could I just interrupt for a second? Sure. We saw it downstairs. Like, what's going on someone's now? In the, someone's in the garage. Oh, is that my I wife? Feel my feet. Yeah. Is that Lisa? Um, I. No, no. So no, no. Wait, hold on. Before yeah. you, let me say, my feet are cold, and the Corey idea of the week was, we need foot foot heaters. We need foot heaters to um, so my feet are. There's like a little mouse in here, and I hear it like squeaking in the background. It's like there's and and we can wear gloves. That was the Corey idea of the week, which is a little bit weird because my feet got cold, and maybe he's right. Yeah. Okay, no, there's no mouse mouse in the house. There's no mouse now. But but I would like another goal. Another goal was to get Lisa on mic. For, for two thousand, the new Steez has. Oh no, it doesn't. No, two. shit. I mean, we I'll just get her on again. for a few seconds, Lee. Maybe have her go on your mic. Lisa, you want to say hello to all the Hi, listeners? Hi guys, I do have to go. The car's already running. All right, there we go. So <laughs> cross it. <laughs> get Lisa. Cross, on. Get Lisa on mic. Cross it off. Be, I want to be interviewed. Oh, you'll be interviewed. We'll add that to our. All right, cross off well, goals. Cross. We've accomplished two goals already this year. Great year. Unbelievable. Great year. Goodbye. Um, goodbye. Um, 
So what were we saying before my yeah. feet got cold? So what I was saying was that I thought it would be really cool if oh. we were to start off with just a group of listeners first, like maybe like five or ten, see how it works. And then if we're able to make it work and it actually flows well, then we can multiply it. And then going forward, right. we could do it with um, with more listeners. I think that's a cool way of, of interacting with our, with our listener. But um, yeah, Corey's idea of the week. We just did it. You can yeah, cross that off. I'm not really. Um, 2,000 podcasts. Oh, 2,000 downloads. Yep. Exciting. Yeah. Um, New Year's Eve. Do you have anything fun to do? You nah. Will, no. I've been watching this show called Broad Church with Lisa. We love it. That's good. And you said you watched The Mandalorian. You finished the last finished. episode yet? Unbelievable. What'd you think? Amazing. Spoilers. Spoiler alert. Yeah. I, um, I, I don't want to go too deep into we it. We don't have to go deep into I, it. But I, I can't believe you called it. You called me up after the. the but don't say what pen, I called it. Pen, 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 what's that oh word? <laughs> what's that word where they talk about the second to the last episode? It's called a pen, penultimate. Penultimate. Penultimate episode. That's a real word? That's what they call it, yeah. Oh, penultimate. okay, great. Penultimate. Yeah, I uh, I loved it. Why can't we say it? Spoilers. No, because I feel like there's certain people who really aren't there yet. And I was listening to another podcast of someone, and they were playing Mandalorian inside a restaurant. And the guy walked in, and he goes over to the guy, and he's like, what are you doing? It's, it was a, it was like the fi- it was the last episode, and he's like, "Can you shut that off?" Like I I didn't watch it yet, and now you're playing in the restaurant. I, like mm-hmm. I don't think restaurants should do that. That's true. Like if you're gonna play something, I don't really go to restaurants, but no, but this but this is what happened. Like they they were playing something, and the guy was like, "You got to shut it off," because I true. so all right. So I don't want to ruin it for anyone. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, it was amazing. Though. How'd you like Wonder Woman? Worst movie I've seen I think in my life. Dog shit. Oh my god, horrible. Yeah, it was pretty rough. Yeah, I mean it was the I like the beginning a little bit but i think the whole thing from start to finish was horrible i actually left it i just i, I walked out i mean you were, you were in your <laughs> i walked you were in out. your den yeah i know i walked out of my den and i called yeah. verizon and, and i'm your, like i want my money back you threw your hat down no, but i didn't have to pay for it yeah. it was free but i was That's still right. pissed off You're still angry yeah. yeah it was horrible um we still have mugs available we've sold a bunch of them so thank yeah, you to everyone who's great. bought them yeah, um you know reach out if you want a mug we'll figure out how to get you get it dropped off or something um can you tell us you you mentioned something to me on friday which is a big new news to me i've known you 20 years yeah i never knew about your comic book collection yeah i have a pretty intense comic book how many comic books do you have Mm, almost 400 and you collected them from what years like how old were you (sighs) young so maybe like when i was like eight nine and that was in the 60s right 60s (laughs) how old do you think i am no, you were like in the 70s. I was born in the seventies, correct? But I guess you know, most probably when I was you know late seventies through early eighties, and you had like a ten year run of collecting, and you'd go to stores and buy them. My mom would drop me off. At what, this, what's the store called? Yeah, so my mom would drop me off at this place called. It was called the Comic Vault. I think it was actually called Fat Jack's Comic Crypt first, and then it changed to the Comic Vault, mm-hmm. and it was in Overbrook. Got it. And an interesting story, actually, which is fascinating. If you ever watch the Austin Power movies, uh-huh. so Seth Green, who plays Austin Powers' son, mm-hmm. used to hang out there as well. And we used to hang out in... Oh, really? It, yeah. And we used to talk and stuff. And he used to make these... He was like a random kid in the neighborhood? Yeah. He lived... He grew up in, in Philadelphia, and well, in an Overbrook area, right. I think. And he used to hang out there also. And he used to sell... He used to take G.I. Joe, and he used to basically carve them down into... Um, Daredevils, Spider-Mans, and he used to sell wait, them wait, 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 and repaint them. Wait, he'd convert G.I. Joe action figures to comic book action figures? Correct. Really? Yep. And I, oh, I used to buy them. You know, I, Do I was, you have any of those? Those I might have in I'd like to see back one at those. home, but it was really cool. Did you, but he would, I would, my mom would drop me off, 
I, and there was no cell phones or anything back then. No. So I would just sit in the comic I mean, it bowl. Sixties, seventies, bro. Vietnam War. I mean, so I would I would sit in there and I would just go through comic books and I would read. Like the guy was really cool. He'd let us read them, uh-huh. you know. And then you know I'd buy a few and and I I built a pretty nice comic book collection. Yeah, I mean, where have they been? Uh, in my uh, in the basement here. <laughs> In a crate in the basement. Yeah, like a few crates, but but I put a lot of it into into hard plastic. Okay, as a and, kid. Okay, so you knew what you had, and you know you. Got uh, no, I didn't know I had anything that was. Put it this way, I had no idea what I had until we started to go into it. I'm like, I mean, we don't second. have to go into it too detailed, yeah. but it, you found some stuff. I got a few comics that that are actually kind of cool. Are they going to change our lives? Maybe my life. <laughs> Not your life. No, um, I. You know what? We there's can't one go comic, on a trip. We can't. A, we can't get a comic funded trip. Let's just say we could pay. For, we could pay for the equipment that we just got this year. Um, That's nothing. No, but there's a few that have like some pop culture real significance. significance. Yeah, like one of them, like my Ninja Turtles. Yeah. They're early Ninja Turtles, and you know, remember Ninja Turtles was in the '80s, like right. 1983, '84, around who? there. Um, were you Eastman and Laird? Were you who? Eastman and Lard or Laird. Or, I don't know I mean, that one. Yeah, those are the guys. Those are the original uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Um, uh, the illustrators? Guys who, yeah, illustrators who actually – and they started a, a studio. There's a movie you could watch. It's on um, it's on Amazon Prime that talks all about the Teenage huh. Mutant Ninja Turtles. Really? And they were the first – yeah, and they created a, a studio called Mirage Studios, which was – because all the big studios, like, like Epic Studios and Marvel, whatever, they – weren't going to take into this so they built a fake I'm studio fa- i'm fascinated yeah. by this knowledge that you have yes yeah. i i'm pretty sure that you know everything about me i don't think there's anything hidden anymore no i i feel like certain times i can you're like an I, onion you're like you're no. like my shrek i uh-huh. <laughs> remember seeing shrek when he's like a peel you like an onion um you so, got layers no comic I, books were like my i was huge into comics i have a uh i have an old uh baseball card collection there's nothing good in there yeah, I've saved them. There's nothing special. It's the '80s, like '90s, like stuff, the garbage. Put, put my father-in-law, way. when we when they moved to Israel, he had a big collection of um, of baseball cards, yeah. and he took the good ones and left the bad ones. So at the beginning of the pandemic, my youngest and I went through everything, and they were all open packs. So he took the good cards out. Yeah, we did come across a couple of good cards, which I haven't done anything with with yet, like Kobe um, rookies. Okay, so that's a bunch good. like five or six of them. That's dude, that's gonna have volume. it. Could be legit. Yeah. Like, that could be something. I just haven't cared yeah. enough to really look them up and do anything with them. With comp, with uh, you have to get them rated and stuff. Yeah, you got to get them rated. It's a pain in the ass. It is. But like, a friend of mine, this guy Nick, got big into like the whole Pokemon because Pokemon exploded and everyone's every time you see Charizard Pokemon, and those things for the mic. They use Pokemon. Pokemon and a Charizards and stuff like that, and so that started a whole collector's. You're a you know, but what was fast? I was telling my kids over the weekend, like I, I really wanted to be Spider Man. Like I would ask my mom so, to take me to like, a, like a, a nuclear reactor. So that leads me, <laughs> like, take me like, 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 like to a power plant. And you're so, like, drop me up, ma, ma, ma drop me off at a power plant so I can get bitten by a spider, by a radioactive and turn spider, into a spider man. Yeah, like I, and I, she would look at you and smack you in the head and be like, "What is wrong with you, kid?" No, I, I really wanted to be Spider Man. Like I would have Spider-Man dreams. Like, Did you I make was... your younger brother like turn him into Spider-Man? No, but like Mikey got into comic books. John got into it a little bit, not at the level that I was into. I was like deep into comic books. I loved them. Um, what? Now that I've learned this about you, this spread down. First of all, you're a giant nerd. Let's get that out there. 
Yeah, I, I, I didn't think you were that nerdy, but no, comic books are all right. I mean, you're a kid. It's I'm messing around. I mean, all seriousness, what were you a Marvel or a DC guy? No, I, I was Spider Man was who I wanted to be, and still Spider-Man. I want to be. Yeah, so Spider Man was my number one, and I have a lot of like amazing Spider Man web of Spider Man. I like Punisher. Punisher's good. Love the Punisher. I liked um, X Men, which uh-huh. was you know X Men's classic. I, I was really Marvel, and then I started to get a little bit more into DC, but more like. Like the Batman, but more mm-hmm. Batman, like Dark Knight, Batman. Not, Got it. Dark Knight came out when we were kids. I remember that. Yeah, so I so I was more into that. I never watched it. But I pretty much shut it off as soon as, you know, I hit like, I don't know, 14, 15. Yeah. I was on to other things. And, right. But, right. but, but you know, I kept the comic books. It's a good run. Yeah. It was wow. great. Exciting. Um, anything else you want to talk about this uh, week? I, mean, uh, I don't have any headlines. There's nothing interesting out there. Vaccine is continuing. The COVID is annoying. There's like a million people getting sick and a lot of people i don't know yeah i mean listen i'm I'm looking forward to getting vaccinated i know there's some people out there who don't want to but i actually do i just figured we're not gonna get you and i are not gonna get vaccinated until june yeah but what's crazy is certain countries like israel is on it man the whole thing with those stats i saw stats last week they said a million people i think in israel already vaccinated they they compared israel to new jersey in terms of population yeah and they said they've already vaccinated 10 percent of the population in israel it's got to be greater Jersey, than that. It's like if they vaccinated a million people, what, there's six million people in Israel, something like that. Something like yeah. that. So, like, I mean, uh, regardless, um, I, I, Stephen does math. Yeah, I'm calculating it in my head. His, his smoke is going up. If, my mom just had me bitten by a radioactive spider. Things would be so much it's different. All your mom's fault. <laughs> yes. Um, but what's it called? I, uh, I listen. I'm looking forward to getting vaccinated. I know a lot. Of, I, I see a lot of posts on Facebook. You know, right. people getting vaccinated, so. Yeah, healthcare workers are getting yeah. it. I see people. Yeah. Um, we had a nice New Year's. It was kind of quiet. I did a fire pit on Thursday night, and then I did another one on Friday. Uh, not a lot of people came, but we had some drinks. It was nice, quiet. I went food shopping on New Year's Day. It was weird. It was annoying, but I did it. Um, I watched, uh, I paid for a, um, a live stream for a band, a, a musician that we like, Um. Yeah, you told me there were only like 94 people watching it, which is crazy. It. Crazy. Adam, cousin Adam, did, yeah. a, did a live stream like he does every night. Yeah. Follow Adam on Adam Ezra. Follow him on uh, Facebook, and you can check out his gathering series every night. He does it literally every night. It's 298 days in a row or something like he that. He most probably gets a larger following. He gets like 200 people a week. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's crazy. A, a, a week. A night, he gets 200 people. So this guy... It was great. They did a great show. They did a two-hour set. I watched Adam first. I sat, I did that on the TV because I can move the Facebook to the TV. Yeah. The Facebook. The Facebook. I can move Facebook to the TV. But this was a Vimeo, live Vimeo. I couldn't get it on the TV. So I watched it on my computer, and I put a Bluetooth speaker on, and I sat and listened to tunes. And then the ball dropped, and I listened to the... the um, I didn't even see the ball drop. The encore. I didn't see it either. I just counted it. Oh, no, I did. I put it on TV at the same time. It was so weird. It was like Kelly Osborne in the middle of Times Square. With really? like nobody. Yeah, I, I, I listen. I what's it called? And Jason Biggs. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I just, I really didn't care. I mean, to me, it was like just another day. I mean, I've been doing a lot of snowboarding. I've been going to Mountain Creek a lot. You also did. You also have been working out. I mean, yeah, I've been, I've, I've been. I trying. hear you. Call me up. You, you, we had a nice, interesting conversation. You sounded like you were, were doing something, not working out, but you were working out. Yeah, I got the stationary bike. But I've been doing a lot of snowboarding, Mountain Creek. It's only forty-five minutes. Yeah, fifty minutes. I, I did. Here. I did. Uh, order my rentals. Yes. I have to go pick them up and today. And you, you have a triple pass. I have a triple play pass. And uh, I made plans for Vermont. We can go. We can work from up there. Oh, chemo. We could. Yeah. We could do midweek. 
You don't want to go on the weekend. He said. No, weekends are brutal. Brutal. I, I'm done going weekends. It's, he said it's, it said it's, it said it's, the lines are insane, and midweek's going to be busy too, but it's better. Yeah. So cool. we have to do that. Awesome. Um, what else? Anything else we want to cover today? I mean, no. I mean, I think we are, you know, I'm looking forward to the guests. I know we have to go into it a little bit about this whole weed stuff, or do we just like jump into it? Cause I, I, mean, got, I don't know. I, I, mean, mean, I got a lot of ideas about it. I mean, I'm sure you're going you're gonna to go off. What does that the, mean? I mean, listen, just... <laughs> No, I'm not going to go. I mean, off. Not- I don't. She's a professional. I don't know. It's I'm interesting to talk to her. I guess I'm an. I guess I'm an idiot about marijuana. That's true. Meaning another. It's com- been wait, around. Hold on I've been around it for many years. Right. Another comment that someone said to me, which is kind of interesting. So I guess we have got to go back. And our initial format was that we were supposed to discuss something, so that people can can because we're the idiots, and then the expert comes in. So. Okay, there's a hole in that concept. There's a hole in the concept a little bit, which is fine. I mean, maybe we've evolved. You know what it's, the hole in the, con- the concept is? What is the hole? Most people who are subject matter experts are bo- are boring. Oh, boy. Like, what are we going to do? No. Bring on someone who talks about... We don't, think, don't get mad at me. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm like, saying, okay, a guitar. You see the guitar over there? Like, someone yes. who makes guitars. What are they going to talk about? How to make guitars? Like that's, no, no. Listen, yeah, we said this early on that it's about learning stuff or put, talking to people that are outside our comfort zone and learning about something and talking about something. Listen, I'm clearly an idiot when it comes to marijuana. Uh, uh, I can talk. I can talk about marijuana. I love that I'm, I'm watching your levels. <laughs> this is definitely. A, I, I can hit, talk. I, I can talk about cannabis. Yes. No, but my point is, is that I think it's important that our show. Ha- is a combination of interview style as well as us discussing something that we think that we're someone experts in. I have my own idea on marijuana and cannabis, whether or not is it a gateway drug, not a gateway drug. Like these are all things that I'm kind of should it be legal, should it not be legal? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll hold on. First of all, we're not going to talk stuff. to her about that. Well, I'm, she's yeah. not a prof- she's in PR, so she's not. She should know everything there is to know about so the cannabis. Question is, you think you think it should be legal? I do. Okay. I do. So I do. I. And you also think that they should take minor offenses and kind of squash them all for people in, in jail? 100%. But but I do believe that like cigarette smoking and like alcohol, alcohol I mean, it, you know. Highly highly regulated. Highly regulated because it, it's a highly – and people say, oh, it's not addicting and it's not no, no, addictive. No, I'm not going down that road, but regulated should be like, I, know, I think like the, alcohol. I think the habit of smoking is an addictive habit. Like people, like, people who smoke weed – there are the recreational here and there, but I know plenty of people who every day are smoking. Like they can't sleep yeah, without also, smoking. Yeah, but we also they know can... everyday people who I know people who take pills every day to go to sleep. No, I, I hear. I'm you. just saying they're prescribed by a doctor. And yeah, but but again, is that the healthy part of that and the non healthy part of that is 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 something like that is not to be able to not Wait. be able to smoke. Uh, to not be able to go to sleep if you don't smoke is is unhealthy. Yeah, and also taking pills to help you sleep and not be able to sleep is Correct. unhealthy too. It, yeah. I agree, but but, but still, but, that's but pills but, are regulated. Yeah, but also it's highly prescribed across the world. Like everyone is prescribed, you know, antidepressants and anti anxieties and things to help them sleep. Right. And people have sleep issues. And you take your, you know, you take, you take your Mickey to go to bed. Right. Like I need like a relaxer, or whatever it is. No dose, not no dose. What's that stuff called? Um, a Tylenol PM. Right. It's over the counter. Nyquils and stuff. Nyquil. Right. And people do tons of stuff. No, no, I, I agree. I'm just saying that I think you know, like there Weed's was a, natural though. Yeah, but there was like um, I think it was maybe it was Portland or one one, one somewhere Oregon, Oregon, which is now doing like heroin. Well, as, they took small amounts. So to me, it's they like decriminalized. It, they didn't de- they decriminalized small amounts. Okay, but that's so. If you've got a little baggie of whatever, just, bottom line is the war on drugs. A bunch of bunch of hooey. 
for the last 30 years. I, I think I think the goal has always been to, to, to go to the source, meaning the small dealer the, is not – the source is the a problem. The person who's got an issue walking down the street with a bit of Coke in their pocket, like, come on. Yeah. What a waste of time for everybody. I mean – The J, yeah. the joint in your person's pocket. I mean, what – like, what are people – like, what's the point? No, I, I, I hear that. I hear what you're saying. Does it lead the other stuff? Does it old the old Rudy Giuliani, like the – you know, like they, you know, back in the early '90s when he, when Rudy was the mayor of New York, and he he started just crushing everything to just create um, a better New York City. Like New York City was garbage. Oh, garbage. Well, I mean, it's kind of back to that now. Well, he because they because they started taking everything off the street and and arresting everybody for everything, and nothing would slide. Right. So for me, I like when the government gets involved. Like for example. When there's prohibition, right? So with alcohol, it became something where now you have the mafia involved and you yes. have, you know, so whatever it is, I feel that having the government involved in marijuana as far as from a revenue standpoint, right? Because that's what, what drives everything is money, right? That is the driving factor. If people can make money from it, then everyone gets involved. Once they're going to put their engine behind it and realize all the revenue they can make from it, now all of a sudden, you know, policing it, monitoring it, controlling it, all that other stuff, now gets ramped up to a whole new level. So the question here is to you, the person who said that we're not doing our format, did we just do a good job? Um, That's a good question. I, I, mean, I need more specific, you know, I I mean, for me, for points, me, like, for me I, I mean, listen, what I'm looking to understand from our guest today, from our expert, is first of all, I want to understand what her what her role is and job is and so on and so forth, mm -hmm. and her you know, background, her background, oh, and of course it. her view of marijuana uh, from the standpoint of uh, not only distribution but also, of course, how you market it and how it's how it's sold. I, I want to talk about how it's affected her family. She runs a company; it's thirty people. You know that it's, she's grown this company, being a woman in this industry. Oh yeah, all that stuff's really interesting. It um, is specifically about cannabis. I mean, it's an emerging area. Uh, is there still opportunity in it that she sees? Like, you know, when you go, uh, I don't know. Like, I see, like, I, I have notes again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a notebook. Yeah. Wow. Um, I actually, I, I was thinking about maybe. I didn't see that till just now. Yeah, right here. I was thinking about maybe, you know, ma making a bit of a play in that industry. Yeah. So I started to kind of take a whole bunch of notes and I sp spoke to a whole bunch of people. Excuse me. Filthy. Well, besides Filthy. Filthy is my expert, but that's more from the, from the other side of it. Um, and Filthy was our guest. In, uh, yeah, go back and listen to Filthy back yeah, in episode uh, three. Yeah, so so I started to go like looking at reg regulation A's. I don't know if you know what those are. No, uh, it's great regulation A stuff. I started to look at different guys who are doing it. Like Jay Z has a line called Monogram, yeah. and his partners this place called Green Street Agency. Should, they she, do you're Snoop Dogg about the game. stuff. She probably yeah. knows all these things. Yeah, and then these different companies that do it and what they're offering are because what I found interesting when I started to do all this research. Um, was Wait, that did like, you do research for this? No, separate. Wow, and it wow. just turned out that we have okay, her on. Got it. Um, but like, listen to these products they have. They have flowers, uh -huh. which is like indica, they have flowers, sativa, actually, hybrid, CBD, right? The plant itself. They have the vape. Yep. They have wellness items. And that's everything from like lotions, Creams. gels, yep. drops, palms, mm -hmm. um, patches, yeah. salts. They have edibles, mm -hmm. right? Which is, you know, gummies yep. and teas and tonics. They have pre-rolls. Yep. They have merchandise. Right, because you need like um, uh, the Branding. vapes, vaporizers, shredders. Um, I mean, this associated is a, accessories. You're saying, like, I yeah, mean, there, yeah. there's so much. And then I started to look at cannabis packaging, like even the pa yeah, you're a packaging that, expert. Yeah, the, the companies that package this stuff. And then I started to go through like, so I found this one company that's really cool called White Label out of Colorado, 
And these are guys who you base they're white labels. So like, let's yep. say Lee, let's say we want to do two idiots and an expert weed or uh, gummies better. gummies yeah yeah we could reach out to these guys and they have an entire infrastructure built up to to do everything from like the distribution to the sales to the product so th there's another one i got into that i was starting to look at called golden seed another company oh, i've heard of golden seed. super fascinating because we'll, we'll they talk sell seeds right no so the golden seed is is is, is a fully vertical uh marijuana uh, company mm -hmm. fully vertical from everything from manufacturing all the way to distribution mm -hmm. and sales all that other fun stuff um and and they actually built their platform on this regulation a stuff I, i'm blown away right now why are you blown away because i knew nothing about this research as usual yeah well, as usual I, I you are by the way this is the format you are an expert in no but that's what i realized i'm not because I know you're not, obviously. Yes. You're not doing it, but you've done a ton of research. I did. And you can have an intelligent conversation with someone for about 15, 20 minutes, and then that'll be it. Yeah, and then I'm out. <laughs> then, 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 then I'm done. I'm just saying, you know, you've done a lot of research. I don't know any of that stuff. I'm just, um, I've been a consumer <laughs> once in a while. Yeah. Back in the day. No, I listen, I see this industry as, as an of course it's been an emerging industry for a number of years but now with all these states well, taking on yeah. you know uh, i mean it was, it was on the ballot for our, in new, new jersey, jersey passed, yeah. yeah passed so to me all right good so i think so um, i'm looking forward to the conversation yeah rosie's i'm excited to talk to her um yeah. let me do uh the, oh uh we're still we still got uh cafe joe uh coffee uh this week's episode and the month of january is is sponsored by Cafe Joe. Cafe Joe. Yeah. Uh, coffee isn't just a drink. It's a culture. It's a lifestyle. It's a ritual. Cafe Joe has built their business on respect for coffee as an experience that shapes and defines your day. C Cafe Joe wants to make the experience even better. That's why they are committed to crafting and sharing the best of what nature has to offer through beverages and foods that deliver in many ways. You'll notice a difference not only in how their product tastes, but how they make you feel. Maximize health, happiness, and productivity at affordable prices. Seems too good to be true, but it's not. Cafe Joe's premium coffee is available in Nespresso-compatible capsules, K-Cups for Keurig, and whole bean coffee. So you can enjoy Israel's most popular coffee in your own home. They even have coffee-based spice rubs. Go to CafeJoe.com today. And special for listeners of our podcast, Two Idiots and an Expert, use promo code 2idiots20. That's the number two, idiots20, for 20% off your order. Thank you, Cafe Joe. Go drink coffee. Yeah. And one thing I want to say about Cafe Joe, and also companies that like Cafe Joe, which were which were based out of you know out of Israel or any country doesn't matter where. Um, in Israel, I think they have two hundred locations. Two hundred fifty. Yeah. Two hundred fifty locations. Um, it helps us if you help them. So definitely, you know, if you can find it in your. We're gonna to link to it in the show notes. Yes. Yeah. Use the use the the promo code and go buy stuff. Yeah, definitely buy stuff from them. You didn't give me any curveballs today. I was hoping for something. No, I mean, you, I think you crushed. The, I mean, I'm watching levels and watching greens the and things. The, I guess the curveball was your your notes. So I'm uh, all right. I guess what else? Anything else you want to cover? No, I mean, I think we we got it all done. I mean, we we, we crushed it. <laughs> we're we're professional podcasters. Yeah, I think we're real podcasters now. <laughs> uh, professional idiots. Yeah, but I, I I think we're gonna get better. I just I'm really the, the sound thing has got me like buzzing. Jazzed. Yeah, because you could hear me, I could hear you. It's like I, mean, I always was able to hear you. No, but I'm saying like you could even hear the way you talk. Yeah, you're in my, and I can tell if I go like this really yeah. close and back. Yeah, yeah it's do, great. Yeah, if I talk too loud. 
So I want to thank one of our listeners. I'm not going to say who it is for pushing us. Yelling at us? Yeah, to really like step up our game, step you up the volume. Us. You can tell him. No, I don't want to say who it is. It was our brother-in-law. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't Zush. He he like no, was aggressive. Was he was aggressive in a text. Yeah, he was good. But I, listen, he I, pushed us. I appreciate it because Lisa pushed us to do the podcast. Zush pushed us, to and he's a he's an he's a he's a regular listener. Yeah, so he's a fan. Um, so shout out to Zush. Yeah, we take we take your criticisms and we take your uh, input and constructive criticism. Yeah, to help us build this podcast because we see a real future with this. <laughs> I said this like, like I might quit my I mean, job. Stephen wanted to. Steve, Steve, I'm now I'm talking to the listener. Listener, Stephen wanted to spend like a thousand dollars on this equipment, and I squashed it. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. And, and he was ready. He's like, I don't care. I'm just doing it. We're doing it. Order it. I just wanted it to sound good. Like I, I wanted your experience and I'm like, that's to be. Why we, I'm like, when we go to the next level. I mean, we're going to start putting foam on the walls so we can get sound better in here. Yeah, you know what's amazing? Like, you ever watch like Star Wars when they do like the um the Dolby like the sound comes mm-hmm, in and mm-hmm. it's like. Yeah, you know, and you're like, oh yeah, like George Lucas, and it has what's the name of the sound that he does? It's uh, Lucasfilm. No, it's no, it, it has some sort of sound, and and then you hear it in the theater, and you're just like, you get the chills, and you're like, oh boy, oh, so good. this right. is gonna be great. We've All ta- right, we've talked enough. Yes, uh, we'll be back shortly with Rosie Matteo. And we're back. Uh, episode 11 of Two Idiots and an Expert with Rosie Matteo. Thank you, Rosie. There it is. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Uh, Rosie, I'm going to read your bio. Rosie, the founder of Matteo Communications, the preeminent cannabis marketing agency in the U.S. She helped usher in the new cannabis age, garnering a global media coverage in mainstream publications for clients, including the first cannabis article ever published in Oprah Magazine. Over the past year, her New York firm has grown alongside the industry, adding marketing and communication services for clients, including content, SEO, investor relations, event planning, and influencer marketing. Today, Rosie is considered a market maker in the world of cannabis, ranked the number one cannabis PR firm by Green Market Report. Rosie is a strategic powerhouse, industry connector, and influencer. Rosie has been named a High Times Female 50 and Forbes 15 powerful innovative women in cannabis. There it is. Rosie and Matteo. Way to go. Wow. wow. Welcome. Welcome. That sounds great. That sounds impressive. I know. I just, I, yeah, I mean, I have a personal connection to the name Rosie because it was my, my daughter's middle name is Rose. So every time I read it, it makes me I, I re- tear up a little bit. No, well, was, my daughter, my <laughs> oldest is named after my, uh, my wife's grandmother, whose name was Bobby Rosie. We all called her Bobby Rosie. She was an amazing woman. Holocaust survivor, the best. So like, I see your name, I always think of her, and I was like, "You'll be able to get through the interview, right?" I think so. <laughs> I just want to make sure. <laughs> make sure you're like uh, halfway through, you're in like a, like a tears in the corner. I mean, listen, in I'm a these, fetal position on these mics, you might hear me cry. All Can right, you cool. hear someone cry? Uh, on these mics, 100. Plus, I'll make sure to record it. So, how are you, Rosie? I'm great, and I'm excited to be here today to chat with you guys. Where um this is awesome. Um thank you to Gila for help, you know, introducing us. This is uh you know what I think this is a very interesting topic and being a top of your field, you know, an expert in PR for cannabis branding and cannabis companies is uh is something we want to talk about. Um where how's it going? How are you like COVID? Where are you located? Tell us, you know, kind of start there. Yeah, so it's actually interesting. COVID has, you know 
if you're going to be in any industry, cannabis seems to be the one for, during COVID. And I'll tell you why. So right now we're talking from my home office in New Jersey. Um, our offices are based in New York City. We're, and we have an office in LA and in Toronto. Uh, we're 55 people. And uh, this has been a transformative year for our agency. You know, we've been growing rapidly for the past six years. But COVID is something very special. It deemed cannabis essential as essential as a pharmacy or as a grocery store or any of the other essential services that you know were named during COVID. So cannabis really, um, it was a watershed year for it because it's being seen as any other like essential. So it, it's been a great year for us. Um, yeah, so COVID's been good for business. Of course, you know, it's, it's hard personally. I've got four daughters who are, you know, home for six months or trying to manage a business with, you right. know, children scheming in the background. You know, I warned them not to come upstairs today so they've learned so we should be okay today. But yeah, we're, we're around and kicking and excited for 21. Yeah, you might actually hear my washing machine or dryer. So that's a it, normal. Yeah, it's a normal it happens. So don't don't worry about that. Do you you added a lot of staff this year? Like, how did you onboard people with COVID? Like, I've known I, I you know I've known companies. It's it's been interesting. You, have you do you have people that you're working for you that you've never met in person or seen below the waist? Um, we I think we hired um, thirteen people this year, right? And I've only met two of, the, of them that we've cut that we've uh, hired. Um, we. We opened our LA office. Two people from New York moved out there, but we're now seven people out in LA. I've not met those five. I've not met our director of investor relations. He's up in Toronto. He can't even cross the border. I haven't met him. So it's been really interesting to um, get to know people virtually. And uh, but it's we have a very interesting culture, um, and for somehow somehow we're all very tight knit already. So it's I feel very lucky that the onboarding process has been pretty smooth. I do feel badly the ones that started in the past year because we like I said we do have this amazing company culture we hang out I mean sometimes they leave me out I mean the boss <laughs> they don't want to hang out with me all the time but they're very tight-knit um so I feel badly for some they don't get that like in-person connection but we're doing our best Got it. so before we get into I guess your current PR role just a little bit of, of your back history like where you went to school and were you always into PR or did you start in something else like straight out of you know, high school through college, Where'd and then we are up? now. Yeah, so I stuff. grew up in the Bronx. I grew up in Riverdale, um, went to uh, school in the city, um, and then went to BU. So I've actually started working PR when I was a senior in high school. Uh, I've always been pretty gregarious, outgoing, a communicator, sort of, you know, a good salesperson. And my dad said to me, I think we we're walking one day when I was, you know, 13, 14, you should go into PR, go into development, fundraising. And then senior year of high school, we had a work study program and I got an internship at a PR firm. That was in the heyday of New York PR. There was like a big um, uh, magazine article about like the power girls of PR, like Harrison and Schiffman and Lizzie Grubman. And it was this glamorous lifestyle. And I was a senior in high school and totally enamored by it. Um, and I interned there for, you know, a semester and I just fell in love with the field. And then I went to BU to their communications school, um, which is one of the top comm schools in the country. Um, and my major was in PR. As soon as I graduated, I worked in a big PR firm in New York City called Rubenstein Associates. Actually, Howard Rubenstein died this week. And he was just like a transformative figure in the, you know, the PR world. Is he, the field of he's like, He's like famous, Howard Rubin. He, he's famous and it was a big PR firm. And I, I cut my teeth there, worked in the media relations department um, and learned how to pitch media. That was really my expertise. I was there for about two years. They actually gave me my boss's job. And then um, a year later, I took a, a job at a lifestyle firm in New York City called Allison Broad PR and started working um, in their specialty food department. So I represented some restaurants and I worked with a popcorn company. And um, in 2000 and 
before I got engaged and I moved out to uh, moved out to Chicago when the popcorn company left with me. I'm getting I'm getting somewhere with this, by the way. No, it's yeah, all good. no keep going. <laughs> Thinking how, how we got to here. Yeah. So um, I left the, I left this popcorn company and uh, my background is really in specialty food. I had my own agency. I guess I was 24, 25 at that point. I just started as a consultant and that was my background. And then I got married and I, I had three kids and we moved out to Seattle, Washington in 2013. In 2013, um, Washington had just gone adult use. And I started taking my kids to, to school and I'd be driving by these dispensaries and there'd be these long lines and we'd go to parties and moms would be pulling vape pens out of their purse because it was newly legal. Right. And so I, I had been consulting still just, you know, being a mom and having a couple side hustles, like food companies and some technology companies. And somebody knew that I had food and tech background and referred me to do the launch of a crowdfunding campaign for a cookbook because I had food and tech background and it was a cannabis cookbook. And I, it was a short project, a short campaign. And when Fast Company and Mashable and New York Times and all these mainstream media outlets who I knew from pitching food to wanted to write the story and they were clamoring to write the story, a light bulb went off in my head. And I said, hey, I can bring my mainstream background as a food and tech you know, publicist to this new industry. And now fast, fast forward six years later, we're the largest PR marketing firm in the space, 55 uh, clients, team of 40, actually not 30, we're 40 people and 55 clients. And we do a whole host of, of cannabis awesome. marketing services. Yeah, so. that's, that's impressive. Cause it's I, awesome. I, uh, you know, I've had, a, I've been in sales likely my entire career. Well, I was going to, before you get to your oh, question, okay. I was going to cut you Go. off one second. Go. There's a lot of cut people away. listening to the pod right now who are probably don't really know. They know what PR means. Like you mentioned Lizzie Grubman, or you mentioned how yeah. Rubenstein, like for the layperson, like how would you describe it as someone who's, you know, has no, we have experience in it. So I've been around, you know, marketing firms and Steven's worked in, you know, for in fashion. So, we, you know, in sales, we know marketing and PR and, and earned media. Like we know what those things are, but how would you explain it to somebody who's not, Very you know, Thanks. By the way, my mother asks me I'll this take all that. the time. Yeah, so I'm I, saying like, you know, like even my- <laughs> Like everyone in my life, I don't think my husband really knows what I do. Right. But, um, I, my, by the way, we know, we thing. know, we know what you do. Well, yeah, I've always had a love-hate relationship with PR. Oh, that's, that's whole, what I was going to That's ask. a yeah. whole interesting conversation. Love-hate. Oh, I, I got to hear about this. But so yeah. for the lay person, what, is, what does it mean? I'll give you an example. Yeah. You are, okay, you guys are guys. So you guys are, are flipping through Men's Health Magazine, right? And you see an article about the best new lifting supplements. So you take this pill, you will be able to bench press 500 pounds, right? So how did that editor learn about this amazing pill? A publicist like myself or my team, we sent the editor an email or a package or gave them a buzz and said, hey, try this product. It does X, Y, and Z. They try it, they like it, they write about it, that's PR. So it's earned media. And the different people think, oh, you're in advertising. It's not the same thing. So that was so you open that same magazine and you see an ad for this new pill. Somebody paid to put that ad there. So mm -hmm. the difference is paid media is like advertising, earned media is public relations. Got it. Got and there's it. also like you talked about does that, um, what'd you call it before? Crisis communications. Crisis communications. So that's why I thought of Howard Rubenstein. Yeah, that's exactly what he did. He so somebody takes like... that pill and they die, right? Yeah, right. The PR firm's got to, you know, do a whole plan, like, so how do we, you know, explain why this person died from it, you know, make them come out on the other side. That's what crisis comes. I, wasn't he the one who used to like always write 
George Steinbrenner's. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I remember as a kid, That's like, right. and reading like this guy, Howard Rubenstein, he'd always, because George Steinbrenner would always say crazy things and he'd yeah. always have to apologize. And so he was someone, doing more crisis management. Yeah, no, they were, he was like the go-to. He's the crisis guy. They do everything, but like, that's what he's known for. Like he was yeah. a fixer, as they said. A fixer, right. yeah. yeah. So that's also PR because it's, yeah. it's also, it's also like you said, investor relationships, investor relations. So if someone's going public or if there's finance related or any kind yeah. of, you know, uh, announcements, things like that. Someone has to write that and also place it in different, 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 you know, publishers. That's right. And also, you know, we, we've been doing this for six years, which is a pretty long time in this industry. You know, it's not the long of an industry. So we started with a lot of companies and they were startups and then they, they grew up and they needed to go public. They were going to raise money and we were with them for so long. We were a trusted partner. So they, they could either go to an IR firm or we could build it ourselves. And Got because, it. you know, they knew us, we, we built it, you know, in-house and now we have a whole IR division. So we've been able to shepherd people from being private to public companies, which has been pretty gratifying. Cool. Yeah, it's amazing. What was your question before? Right, so this is my question. So I, as I said, I always had a kind of love-hate relationship. I've been in sales my whole career um, and started off in uh, in clothing and then switched to our apparel industry and then switched into photographic accessories and consumer electronics, selling the major you know accounts, Walmart, Macy's, right. the big players. So we dealt with, in, in the clothing side of it, we dealt with Susan Blonde, which I'm sure you know that agency. Right. We dealt with Lizzie Grubman. Uh, we all were, were, we signed on as PR firms. Right. And I always found it difficult because two things. One is it's somewhat difficult to monetize exactly what bang you're getting from your buck on a PR firm sometimes. Right. And then also I think where it got complicated, at least from me or my standpoint was, sometimes there was a bit of a disconnect. Like we had um, a brand called Zoo York, which was a clothing right. brand, which, uh, you know, skate brand. Right. And they thought it would be a good idea to, to do that brand with, with Ashton Kutcher as a representative right. of that brand. And what it did is it ended up alienating our core skateboard guy right. Right, because he's more of a mainstream. He wore it on punk. He wore a Zoo York hat. Yep. And right. what it did is, it, it, it almost it, it affected our sales. It mm -hmm. actually took away from what we were doing. From so, from a sales perspective, I guess where I've had a love hate relationship is when you deal like PR firms deal directly from a sales perspective. Sometimes you have a strategy, and then we have a strategy. How do you make sure to make sure both those strategies stay in line? Well, well, I think you have to be on the same page, right? So, like we deal with this a lot. So like you guys think you have like the best hat in the world, let's just say, right? And we're like, it's just a black hat, dude, right? Like it's, 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 it's nothing here, right? But if we put that black hat on somebody like an Ashton Kutcher, right? Um, people will notice it because he's a celebrity. That being said, they need to align the right celebrity. Like we've had that before too, that feel like that person's like a sellout, right? Like right. we're mm -hmm. real culture, Ashton culture, so mainstream, right? Correct. So you need to be on the same page, right? Like you have to, you have to have some sort of happy medium. Right? So maybe it wasn't Ashton Kutcher. Maybe there should, they should have gone for what we do now, like a micro or nano influence or somebody who really lives, breathes and authentically your brand, probably more bang for your buck getting like real engagement versus just like having a celebrity who will sign anything just for a paycheck. Right. So awesome. you gotta be a little more like, I always say like, it's like, actually I talk about this a lot, like celebrity. I have a love hate relationship with two because right. One, it's like, okay, you get that big pop, right? Yep. And then what, right? Yeah, like, mm -hmm. is it, does the product stand for like what, what it says it is just because you had a celebrity talk about it? Also, it's like now, like most of them, like you, people, it's pretty transparent that someone's being paid to talk about it, right? So like, right. what is there really as much value? That being said, like from a PR perspective, when somebody like launches like a major celebrity cannabis line and we've done it, right? We, we, we did Jay-Z. 
We've done um, Carlos Santana. We, we've done a bunch of celebrity stuff. And like, it's not, I'm not that good of a publicist, right? Like any media will write about Carlos Santana's line, right? It's much harder when I just have to pitch the hat. So like, I'm not overly impressed with like celebrity right. PR stuff because like anybody with a computer and an email can get right. pressed for Jay-Z, right? That doesn't right. make right. you a talented publicist, you know? Also- Even though you crush it, right? Like, right, right. It makes it a lot easier. Totally. And I was thinking about what you, what you were talking about. Some, a lot of what you do, Rosie, is probably brand building, especially yep. in cannabis. It's not just about finding the flashy person. It's not just about, it's it, like you said, taking something from nothing and building it or helping someone else's company with their image, with their brand, you know, shaping the brand is, is an aspect of PR, which I think it's not just about the media placements. Um, building a brand is super important. And, and that's, you know, when it comes to like an industry like this, uh, even more because, you know, hats, yeah, hats have been around forever. Especially because you really need to build trust and transparency. You know, most people's experience, like even on the East Coast, we're in New Jersey, right? If you have like a medical card, you can go to a medical dispensary, but like mm -hmm. not that many people have them because the conditions are, it's not that easy to get one. And most people who have been consuming cannabis, it's been from the illicit market or they haven't, they haven't consumed cannabis since they were in college or since right. they're in high school or in the, since the 1970s, right? So now we've got a whole new sect of product coming into the market and there's different form factors. It's not just like cannabis flower, there's vapes, there's edibles, there's tinctures, there's topicals, right? So there's a whole part of like educating that you don't really need to do with like a popcorn. Like I see people sort of know what sour cream and onion tastes like, right? But like right, having to understand like what a product will do to you. Will it make me high? Will it make me low? Will it give me anxiety? Will it help me sleep? Will it help you? Like there are so many factors that we need to consider when we're putting together a program. Like who's a target demographic? Is it a wellness product? Is it a recreational product? Is it for pain management? So there's a lot of that really defining who the target demographic that we work with our clients to do. It's not just a pretty package. You really do have to create that brand. Right. So for example, you brought up Jay-Z's line, right? Monogram, no. right? And so those guys are a Green Street agency, I believe, are the guys who actually make make the product for Jay-Z, as well as they do, I think, for Snoop Dogg. They do it for the game, Cypress Hill, 2 Chains, Dirty Heads. They do a whole bunch of, of products outside of, of Monogram for Jay-Z. So, oh, you mean like the, yeah, like his, what's it called? Um, well, Green Street is like, is like the vertical company that actually manufactures... Right. The well, it starts from the process of you know making the you know the growing growing it all the way. It's through. actually Kaliva. Kaliva creates oh, Kali their brand actually. Okay. Oh, Kaliva does. That's right. Kaliva does. Yeah. So I think Kaliva Kaliva is a long term, a long time client of ours. Right. So because I, I have Kaliva here also. Um, which by which the I, way, Rosie Stephen has a notebook full of this it's, sort of work. And it, I, I was so impressed before when we were talking about this, he pulls a notebook. I'm like, wow, you did research finally for a guest? And he's like, no, I was thinking about going into a cannabis world. And I pulled his old notebook out. I had notes already done. I'm like, damn it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he's yeah. got a notebook with like 15 pages worth of notes in it. Yeah, I learned the hard way. I, I actually got, I tried to venture into the into the music industry and I tried to do a music festival and I lost my shirt on it. Yeah. So right. like, if, I'm, if I'm gonna go into another industry- You're not one of fire guys, are you? No, no. <laughs> oh, no, not no. fire, no, campfire. He did campfire. I did close. close. Campfire. Yeah, yeah. I know the festival yeah. was great. No, he paid people. So like yeah, it, was, I, I, it was real. Everyone got paid, but it and was, also it happened. We it were, happened, yeah, but yes, okay. but I hear you. So I started to learn hard. I know that. Oh, so I started to learn about like Regulation A, which I'm sure we can right. talk about, right? Like all these Reg A deals, and there seem to be like a million of them. And I don't. Yeah. And I tried to learn all about that, and and just and this one group in particular in particular that does a lot of them. But my point first for for this was. 
when it comes to like like a PR firm, right? So you're dealing now with with a company that makes a whole bunch of different product for different people. Right. But you're trying to kind of segment that or to create a, sort of a channel for them. Right. How do you go about doing that so that it doesn't affect the other brands that they're trying to do? Like, do you just do you separate them like separately, or how do you go about from a PR standpoint? In, in what respect? Do you mean like? Like they're, they're rolling out 12 brands. Like, do I, do I choose a favorite child type of a question or, or, or how do I differentiate? Yeah, because if you look at it, like a guy like Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Got right. involved in this Greece Street. He's making a play from that. So it, all the product is coming from the same exact manufacturer. Right. But it's just branded differently. So at the end of the day, it's, so how do you now- Right. Build so, story okay, or, so, right. so here's a question. So- it really, there are so, what they're really trying to do on the manufacturing level and also on the branding level is, yes, some of it's the same. Some of it's just like rebranded, like purple haze strain, right? And it, right. and that's the same thing with like, you know, and like, like, let me go back to the popcorn, like what packaging, like what is like the different like health benefits of some like, you know, is it keto? Is it, you know, so really distilling like what the differentiating factors is and also like different packaging will deal, will appeal to different people, right? Or like the different like, just the aesthetic if it's the same product. But right. the thing about cannabis is what they really try to do is be very scientific. They're like hundreds and hundreds of cannabinoids, right? So each product really does, they're not all the same, right? They have different effects by the different strain. And most of them is not just packaging. It really is like uh -huh. a different product with a different uh -huh. cannabinoid profile, which has a different effect, right? Like we work at the company called Candescence and they've got um, five strains. They have, and they were the first people to, uh, to abandon like straining. So like purple haze, Alaskan thunderfuck. Like who wants to buy that? Like right. I'm not buying something right. called Alaskan thunderfuck, right? No. Are we allowed to right. No. Oh yeah, yeah. curse okay, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Or, or like uh, cat piss, poison Durban. These are the names of strains. Cat piss is pretty good. Cat piss is a horrible name. Cat piss, no, it's really the name of a strain. Pretty so good. we're like lemon haze, like what does that right. even mean, right? So in, right. I, they're one of our longtime clients. We've been them for five years. They were the first people to abandon traditional strain names to go to like graphic music inter graphic user interface, like like an Apple, very intuitive product. And they Gooey. call their strains Com Connect, Create, Cruise, and um Com Create Connect. Okay, fine. So each one has its own different effects. So like the different cannabinoids in Com makes you calm. Connect really makes you gregarious, yeah. makes you laugh. So like that's what these companies are trying to do. It's not just a commodity in packaging, like ones who are doing it well. Right. are really trying to do effect space. And even if they're not calling it effect space, they're trying to really create a mood, a feeling, and get, let people know exactly what they're having, right? So like you're, you think about like grain alcohol, you think of alcohol, vodka, like that Kirkland right. vodka is Grey Goose, isn't it? I mean, they, rumor has it, but we don't know. But we don't know, but like yeah. same right. idea. I'm sure, yeah. Right, so you're you're creating that sort of imagery for them? You're creating that sort of concept for them? Or they could no, create that we're right. promoting it. So we are yeah. not a branding agency. I mean, we have like some sister agencies who work with. If someone comes up with nothing, with an idea, you know, we will outsource them a project manager. We, once you have a product ready to go, we will help you decide or help you like create a marketing program for it. So if you see you're creating like a product for women, right? Like, what does that really mean? So like, right. what is this woman like, right? So how are we gonna communicate? Is it for mothers? Is it for like college girls? So we help distill like what that message is and the best tactics to make the market understand why this product is specific for that person. And we'll use different tactics. That could be influencer finding like, you know, um, you know, some of these, uh, 
these, these health moms or the yoga moms, or maybe it's a party mom, right? So we try to figure out like on the influence side and we'll send them products or we'll reach out to like a Oprah magazine, or maybe if it's for, you know, maybe it's a canvas topical and it's a beauty product. We'll go to Allure magazine. It's really mm -hmm. understanding who the target demographic is and which media will resonate with the product. Got it. Got it. Got it. So I, I also found that like a lot of these, these, these cannabis companies are going the route of having this sort of regulation, a kind of having investors involved. Like I looked into a company called Golden Seed. Right. Um, and, and I kind of found it fairly impressive that these guys are using almost crowdfunding in order to, to build their business. Is that something that you guys are involved in as well? So we have some companies that have gone, you know, public via reggae. We're working on one right now called Gage Cannabis Company. They're out of Michigan and High Times did it. And it's, and it's interesting for many reasons. Okay. It's not just because like, it's a cool thing to do and it gets people involved. It's because, you know, if you do, I'm sure you've done a little bit of research in it. Capital access to capital is very hard for cannabis companies because of the federal illegality. Mm -hmm. So like if you have a small business, right, you can go and get a small business loan, right, right. To, to fund your business. Right. Because of the federal um, illegality of it, cannabis companies do not have access to regular capital. So they go, they raise money a few ways. Obviously, there are some venture funds in the space. You work mm -hmm. with some of them, yep. GWS and management, Poseidon. And there's some really, you know, interesting, you know, cannabis funds that each have somewhere between like a hundred million and a billion dollars assets under management. So they can wow. go that way and get invested. Wow. Uh, but when you really want to expand, most companies go public, right? That's how you raise real money to scale a company across 18 states and 75 stores, right? So if you notice a lot of the public companies and public in Canada via like reverse takeover, it's called an RTO and they all list on the Canadian Securities Exchange, right? Because yeah. Ca Canada is a federally legal state. So you can be, it's, you can be compliant and mm -hmm. list on those exchanges. You can't list on the NASDAQ, right? And like a lot of these markets are retail investors, which is like a finicky investor, right? So yeah. um, a lot of them went public in Canada and that's where they trade and that's where they like make their, that's how they raise money. And a, another way people are doing it is through sale leasebacks, um, through, through REITs. So, um, you know, somebody oh. buys the property and then they lease it back for them. So they have more ah. work capital. And then Reg A is another way people are crowdsourcing because they don't have access to institutional funds and even if you think about like some of the big venture funds, like if I'm Warby Parker, I can raise a $500 million round from like founders fund out in, um, in Silicon Valley. Like that real venture is right. not in the cannabis space yet, although founders fund is in the space now, but right. that, that's the reason why people are doing reggae because it's very hard to access capital. Gotcha. Cause I found that like, for example, like Dan Balzerian with his ignite seems to be just a massive Ponzi scheme to me. The Ponzi scheme. Yeah, I was ho yes. hoping we were going to say he seems to be crushing it. I wasn't have to break the news. No, no, no. Ponzi scheme. <laughs> yeah. Wait, who is this guy? I don't even know. Uh, Dan Belzerian is a, um, he's like an influencer. Uh -huh. He's on Instagram. Yeah. And he's one of these guys who just surrounds himself with a bunch of women, parties all the and time. Uh -huh. and private jets. And he's got like a canvas like called Ignite. And it's totally yes. misogynistic with like, you go yes. through LA, you just see women's like asses on on billboards and he's like living this party life and yeah. you look at his financials he's like not even sold a gram of weed right uh -huh. so so my question to that is do you find being in this space that there are a lot of guys who are like this i mean to different levels burnouts or guys who are just working the system because i looked at dan belzerian's numbers and i'm like this guy will either go to jail maybe i don't know i mean i'm not or or, or something but like it nothing seemed to be like above board like he's losing money year after year after year and just spending it but he seems to have like an on and i think Whatever. So do you find a lot of this industry is filled with these sort of characters? Like, so it, it is, you know, like I said, six years has been a long time. And, and the most gratifying six. part has been the maturation of the space. Like I was young and immature in the beginning of the space. And like, 
would take on clients, then you'd like, you look into them, you're like, these are not good actors. But over the past couple of years, the caliber of entrepreneurs in this space is like any other industry. A lot of them are coming from other industries. Like even like uh, we work at a public company called Terrace and they actually have stores in New Jersey. Um, and like their CFO, actually, let's talk about their CEO too. Their CFO um, was like the CFO of Cody, like a major, um, you know, beauty, you know, company, global beauty company. Their CEO is the founder of Fresh Direct. Wow. So wow. like a big company that understands logistics, understands like how to work in a highly regulated market, like Grocery New York right. is highly regulated or like getting logistics, getting like a cantaloupe across Midtown in an hour during rush hour, like that's hard stuff. And he's now the CEO of a major can public cannabis company. Um, ben Kobler, who's like the CEO of GTI. He's like um, families that he's the air Jim Beam, right? So like real cat, right. Bo Wrigley, Wrigley Spearmint, Wrigley Gum yeah. is like the CEO of Certera Parallel. So there's major people in the space right now. And right. it's been a big maturation. It's been very cool. Yeah. I mean, there's real players. I mean, I was looking at that, like that company mentioned Calva. I think this guy, Dennis O'Malley. Kaliva, Dennis O'Malley, yeah. Stephen Allen, like these guys are real deal players. They're real like they're not, deal people. They know how to run companies. This is yeah. not, you know, yes, there are definitely a fair amount of like OG people in the space, but like if you're in it long enough, you just sort of know, you know, you know, to smell like what smells good and what doesn't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of felt like if you watch, there's a movie, I think it's on Netflix about Humboldt County, mm -hmm. where like a lot of the weed comes out of yeah. or cannabis. And, and you look at that and it's kind of scary because it, it was a very pirate sort of underground yeah. kind of movie. And it's, and then, and then you see the players that like, as I started to do research in this, I'm like, these guys are like, they run major fortune 500 companies. Yep. So there's a real, I mean, I mean, it's really stepping up its game. It's really stepping its game. Like this is like, like, like a once in a lifetime sort of like generational wealth building exercise right now, right? This is like the beginning of alcohol, right? Like if you were like sure. the first investor, the first CEO of like, you know, whatever is, you know, Diageo now, you know, right. you're a happy man. Yeah, so that right. type of a, that's what's happening right now. It's funny that you covered a lot of things. I was going to ask questions about great job, two of you. Thank you for. <laughs> no, we spoke amazing. earlier. It's it amazing. I was going to ask about it, but it was good. Um, what, you know, a stigma I wrote down, something like it comes in, like where it's coming, you covered, you know, in your 60 years of doing this, plus um, how you've seen a change. How's the stigma, you know, in the beginning? Like, tell us a little bit about like what family and friends, your yeah. kids, your 12 year old so daughter now, who's like, it's, I mean, I have a 12 year old son, so I know, but. I, it's a little different in my house when I, whatever, you know what, we're going to not go into that, but you know, <laughs> no, so the, I, I, so I like how, yeah. Story about stigma. So um, when I first started doing this, um, when I first started doing this, I started like posting on Facebook, like I you know clients, you know, hi there featured in Mashable, right. And like all that right. like cannabis and stuff. Right. And my husband, we had just moved out to Seattle. He was working in finance, you know, pretty buttoned up, you know, field. He just started the job there and, I'm posting about it. And he's like, Rosie, like, come on, you know, your mother, um, it's weed. Like people are going to think you're like a stoner. That was like his first, you know, right. scenario. we first moved out of Seattle. And then fast forward four years later, we were moving back to New York city and he was interviewing at, you know, hedge funds in New York city, mm -hmm. going to interviews. And he like, my wife is the smartest woman alive. She has a cannabis company. So it's so quickly has changed. Right. You know, I was for the, in the beginning, I was the only person I knew who had anything to do with weed, right? right? Now, every person in my life, they know somebody who works at a cannabis company. They're invested in a cannabis company. They want to invest in a cannabis company. Their brother 
take CBD, whatever it is. So like the shift over the past six years is unbelievable. And also even like, especially because on the East coast, there was really no conversation living on the West coast. It was like part of the vernacular. And the, the most fun part is that I got to be on the West coast when this was happening. And now we're on the East coast. We're in the beginning of like the precipice of a huge industry on the, on the East coast. It's very gonna, cool to see the perception change. I was going to bring it up the whole New Jersey thing and how like Massachusetts and yep. now that New Jersey's legal you think that like that's the next stratosphere is going to happen? Yeah, because listen, this is how COVID is really going to, I think, propel things too. All, every single state is suffering, right? How are they going to fill those coffers? The excise tax of cannabis is well over 50%, right? So it's like a, you know, the first of all, like will the people look at the this year in the election, there were five states in the ballots and they all passed with like, you know, resounding other medical or going recreational. So New Jersey's going to have a rec program probably by next January. It's taken me a year to get the regulations. Yeah, I was going to ask what the time, what's the time like timeline for New About Jersey? A year. Okay, so the, it was overwhelmingly voted for, you know, by the people. So it passed, but now it passed. And now they have to figure out what the regulations are. So like how many, how much people buy? What are the hours going to be? What can you carry? Like there's so many rules, you know, and there's also the social equity part. There's trying to figure out really important part like you know think about you know newark like the, the jails right like the there's so many people incarcerated wrongly for the war on drugs like how do we deal with that like we're gonna have a burgeoning industry here and people that are locked up for the same thing that i am making money for so like right. there's a lot that has to be worked out but we think within a year it'll happen so what will that mean so new jersey is going to be a new yorkers you know can technically they can go buy in New Jersey. They can't bring it back because it's going over state lines, but you can go and there are going to be cafes there. So does New York want all of the New York government want everybody going across the river, right, to get their weed? And then they're losing out on all those tax dollars that goes to New Jersey that doesn't go to New York, right? Same thing with Pennsylvania has got a medical market, but you can go right over the line, you know, to New mm -hmm. Jersey. It's illegal to bring it back over the line, but you can consume it there. So I think all the neighboring states are going to say, hey, I think they're going to accelerate it because they need the tax money and they don't want their neighboring states to have it. Right. And also then they don't have to deal with this like cross border thing because right. they're all legal. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I had a question for you. I, uh, I built snowboards in college many, many years ago. And I remember going to trade shows and you'd have, you know, the smaller guys, Jake Burton, and now who's right. you know, a larger company and Thompson's. And then you had these companies like LibTech and GNU that as soon as the big guys got involved, Solomon, K2, right. We couldn't compete with them. They were too good at what they, they they could do. Do you feel like when a Philip Morris or one of or the big guys start to say, wait a second, we can make real money in this. This is the next, that it will almost push out all these smaller companies and it's going to be difficult for guys that are smaller cap to be able to deal with the larger industry veterans because that's what would happen to us in that industry. Right. So I'm wondering if that's something you guys are preparing for or do you think that could happen in your industry? So there's two, there, there there's both sides of it. So- there is a common misconception that the cannabis industry wants federal legalization now. They don't, they want state legalization, right? Mm -hmm. For that reason. So they need to be able to scale and, and build big enough moats that when it does go federal legal, a Philip Morris either has to build it or they're gonna buy it, right? right. So okay. like, that's the same thing, you know, what, why has my company had a heyday? Because a lot of the public, marketing companies like the Edelman's and the Young and Rubicon and the Omnicons, they're listed on public U.S. exchanges. So mm -hmm. they cannot conduct business 
in an illegal market. I, I'm technically breaking federal law every day by what I do. I mean, we're an ancillary, but same idea, right? right. Like we are, we are servicing a legal industry. So that's the opportunity for the smaller guys now is like, we can, we can scale, we can scale, we can scale. And then, you know, when federal goes legal, they can either build or buy and Philip Morris, or why do you think Canopy, um, Canopy Growth, their big in Canada, their biggest investor is Constellation Brand because like it's legal there, and they made that they've made a four billion dollar or six billion dollar four billion dollar investment there to help them scale. So when it goes federally legal, they have got options. So that's really what's happening in the space. Gotcha. Okay, so I mean the larger players that I guess everyone would be concerned about are they contacting you? Are they not even thinking about it now? Like, are you? Are they even? I, I assume they have to be looking at this, going, okay, this is the next. Biggest yeah, thing. they they can't like, and we know this. Like, I I have a good friend, like with um a lot of like the the, the lawyer, the attorneys in the space, and like one of them, even just from my business perspective, and like right. we're building to build because we love it and we're having a great time, and I right. don't go anywhere anytime soon, um because of this reason. But I know that they that the companies like um you know some of these big holding companies, the media holding companies, are having conversations to figure out how they're going to get into the space when it becomes legal and all the big players, the Philip Morris, the Altria, some of them are making investments in the Canadian company so they can right. have like their flag in the sand, right? Um, but they are definitely trying to figure out how they're gonna get into this space because we're only scratching the surface of like really what this plant can do. Like think about it even on the medical side, like no medical, actual medical research can happen because of because of the FDA, it's not gonna be right. a you know, federal agency. Mm -hmm. So. Even we know these cannabinoids, ancillary are from like, you know, um, you know, even just like um, use case data that we know all of like the ailments that it can help sleep, anxiety, you know, can it shrink cancer cells, like all the things that we know cannabis can do, but it's not federally researched. So think about that side of it, pharma, like hasn't even been scratched the surface. So think about wow. the world that's going to open up there. One, Amazing. Okay. Two, on, on like, even on the, on the adult use side, right. It's just, it's like, a fraction of what it's going to be. Not even all the markets are are legal yet. So of course, these companies like a Diageo are going to be looking at the space eventually when they can get into it. So you know, there's right. a lot of opportunity for small players to do something very big one day. Right. Do you see this industry as a as a male dominated industry, or are you is it equally female male? And if so, like how do you deal with that being a female owned sort of operation in the space? Right. So there's a few things. So you know, early on, probably like two three years ago, there was like a lot of you know pressing that you know there's so many women in the space. But you know, as as company as industry matures, it is becoming you know very similar to other industries. You know, dominated. You know. By white males, but um, I, I have I come from a different sort of just like mindset, and I think that really helps me. Is one like I come from a long line of female entrepreneurs. My mother, my grandmother, my great aunts, we they all own businesses. So for me, I always felt like I had a seat at the table, and really like a lot of the men in the industry, they have been my allies. They've been my biggest supporters. They've brought me along to dinners. They have you know spoken up for me, and also the women that I am friends in the space, like we really, I've never been in an industry where women are more supportive of each other than here. And like really all lift each other up and find that like, you know, a win for one of us is a collective win for everything. So like, I think there's a lot of opportunity, uh, you know, for women in the space because like the women in the space really want to bring people along with them. Like we don't want this to look like every other industry. We want women to be well represented. And there's some just real powerhouse women in the space. And then the other thing I would say about that is that, um, even just as we're talking about like the funding, you know, women run companies just 
if there's a capital crunch in general and, and men are having trouble like raising money, women are even having more trouble and people of color even have more trouble than women raising money. So there's a lot of things that have to be fixed. But the nice thing about what I say when women say, can I get into this field? The nice thing is it is still an industry of startups, right? Mm -hmm. So like if you are scrappy, like you don't need to be a, when I started, I was a one woman show. Like they were all startups. I was a startup. We worked together and we grew up together. And it's still so early. There's still a lot of opportunities and COVID even accelerates that a little more because everybody's working from home. So if you're a mom and you need flexibility, everyone's working from home now and it's a startup culture. Like now's the time to get in before it gets too big and you need to have like big credentials. You don't now. You just need to be an expert at what you do and be willing to work really, really hard and deal with like changing regulations and be able to pivot, it's a good opportunity for women. No, I got a shot then, Lee. Yeah, I mean, you're not, but you're not a woman. No, I'm saying just, just no. general oh, in the okay. industry. Uh, yeah, it's, people think it's like, oh, you've been doing this six years. It's just like not even the first inning. It's right. like not even the first inning. So right. there's so much point. opportunity to be had. Yeah, I found that. I found that the barrier of entry in this, like I, I know just dealing in certain other fields that I'm in, that it's like the barrier entry is so difficult. Like it's a good old boys club. You have to have a certain relationship base. You have to have a certain- In I, this you're saying? In no, in other industries oh. that I've like experienced or been into or just seen, like you can't ship Walmart because you have a good idea. You have right. to build a base. You have to have a connection right. in Bentonville or Fayetteville. I mean, there is a, a methodology to getting mm. into Walmart. You right. know, it's not like you just, oh, I want to go to Walmart. I, don't I think know. when this it comes to this industry, I think it's a lot more wild, wild west. Yes, it still is. I know, but it's funny because I did some research for a friend who had a property in New Jersey who was, in, who was told it was a good area. I could not, it was not easy. I had a call once with a consultant firm and, you know, to write a business plan, to pay somebody, it was super expensive. And there, there's only a certain amount of licenses and there's yeah. so many unknowns in this I industry. Mean, you, could, you could spend six months going for a license and, and not, not get it. And like, not get it. Right. You can spend, it's, it's you know, two, you can you can spend two hundred grand putting a business plan together and 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 doing all the right things. Yeah. And have it fall apart. No, yep. but then what you do is you contact someone like our expert yeah, at, who could basically work you through it and say, well, you know, don't waste it. Don't waste it six months because right. you're right. not going to get it. I, I mean, one of the questions I was going to ask was any advice, especially since it's such. You said it's the first inning. Any advice for either people coming out of school? Is there any you know, degrees or focuses they should have or any other entrepreneurs? I know you covered that, but what would you give, what kind of advice would you give people, either young people or people looking for a change? Well, there's two things. First of all, like, we are in mature enough industry, there are staffing agencies for the cannabis space. Oh. Like, that's even just like, you know, brass tacks. So like banks, we actually represent them. They're like the largest staffing agency. They have the they have gig work. They've got up until like CEO cannabis, flower hire. There's like a bunch of like staffing agencies, but like it, the way, and I, this is also, I think the reason why we've grown so rapidly, like ha, what do we do? Like I networked, it's like any other industry, like do the exact same things you would do in any other industry, just because it's cannabis, don't treat it differently. Right. right? So like go to those networking, like, go to those, like you mentioned like the trade shows. Mm -hmm. When I went to my first trade show for MJ BizCon, which is the biggest cannabis, you know, event, it was in the basement of the Rio hotel in Vegas. It was like a total dump, right? Like ter it was and I, whatever, I remember walking around like aimlessly, whatever. Was there like a big cloud of smoke everywhere? Like no. It was, and it, and it was like, it was, yeah. it was what you imagine, okay? Wow. Last year when you went to, and there was like maybe 2,000 people there, maybe. That last year, we didn't go this year, obviously it was a COVID, but 2019, we went, there were 75,000 people and it was in wow. two rooms of the, of the convention center. Mm -hmm. So like, mm -hmm. it's really grown, but like, I went every year, right? And the first year I don't know anybody. And the last year I'm high-fiving everybody down the hall. Right. So yeah, like right. 
so new that you, within six years, I know it's, I mean, right. I don't know if that seems like a long time or a short time. It's really not a long time to think about building a business from nothing to having like a big business. It's not a lot of time, right? Which, so it's right. amazing like how you just do the same things. Like it was all about networking. I got my first client by going to the Seattle Cannabis Tech Meetup. Yeah. Like, so right. network, network, network. And now that it's growing, there's somebody you know who works in cannabis. You guys all know me now. So, and everybody, like I said, everybody is so willing to like lend a hand and make an intro. It's it's bizarre. Like I worked in an agency and I mean, I feel very proud. Like most agencies are really cutthroat. People are competitive. They're like terrible people. <laughs> but not, our agency is not like that. Everybody, and this is reflective of the industry. Everybody's really willing to help each other out. It's very kumbaya, but it's true. It's also because it's close knit and it's small and you have a chip on your shoulder. I know everybody at every show, like, and it's a big industry. Like it's so small still. Like if we feel so yeah. big, like you, everybody knows everybody. And the yeah. chip on your shoulder factor yeah. where you're like, this is crazy that this has not happened faster or let's roll with it. Or, you know, why is the government doing this? Or there's, there's also there's so much camaraderie. Exactly. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. I might, I'm actually call you after. Cause, <laughs> cause I spent all this time going down this path and I'm like, I'm not sure I'm going down the right path. Yeah. I'm here for it. Yeah, killer. Awesome. I um so I'm trying to think what else on the uh issues. Issues. Oh, here's a good one. Issues that come up within the cannabis industry, um, with cannabis companies that you wouldn't see elsewhere. You know, Stevens in consumer electronics. Um, yeah. you know, I'm in, you know, I, I you know, I sell steel products that go on cell towers. You know, we all have our own niche in consumer electronics is a little bit less, it's pretty broad. You know, like you're talking yeah. about the maturity of an industry. Um, I'm in a niche industry too in my job. And it's interesting, like when you go outside, it's like, oh, there's everything. And, it, and there is, like you said, I go to shows, even though we missed the shows this year. Did you miss traveling this year? Did oh my God. I, I really, I really like, I, I was on the road every other week, you know, and it's just part of my life. And it's hard to believe like I haven't been on airplanes and the it's conferences, weird. like I, I love them. This is like, I had the best time, whatever. I, I've come to accept it, but like, I've got like a group chat with some of my like cannabis friends. And right, like, me too. 2021, we meet up, we're doing 21 shots. Like we like miss yeah. each other so much being on the road. Have you, yes, there are definitely nuances that are different in the cannabis space and other. One is that like, we're, like I said, we're committing a crime every day, right? Like it's federally legal. So like people lose their banking accounts, right? Mm. Like we had a hard time finding somebody to insure our company because we are like work with cannabis brands, right? So there's right. those things. Also there's changing regulation. We lived in Washington. We worked at the very big edible company and they're coming out with like a new gummy right with like nanotechnology fast uptick it was like all natural gluten-free vegan like we put a whole marketing campaign around it and then the regs hit that nothing can be marketed that looks like candy so that's like a whole year of r&d and marketing and packaging and Out research and everything wow. like that gone down the tubes because but then they switched it back up and said oh you can do candy so like it is ever changing also like I think about Canada when, when Canada, like 2017, like people were really ran, like I said, like how the, so New Jersey voted. So what does that really mean for regulation? We don't know what the program is really going to look like. This happened in Canada, 2017, everybody's ramping up for it to go like nationally legal companies went to branding agencies, spending million dollars on branding, beautiful packaging, beautiful messaging. When the regs come out saying it can be, has seen white packaging with a tiny little thing on the side, no marketing. Wow. Right. So like, this is not like any other industry. What industry do you go to where you can't have packaging? Right. It's, right. it's, it's really, really crazy. Right. You're not nervous about like the ATF showing up at your offices. Or no, anything. first of all, I'm an ancillary business. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't sell cannabis. Like we, right. we really stand on the radar. Like 
we stand at the radar. We are we also, like, Bank we, of Bank of America. Like I shouldn't say that, but, but like all these things, like right. it, it, we are okay because under the radar, but like we were, you know, when we um, applied for like our PPP loan, yeah. right? Like right. we were nervous about that too. So all these things. I, I mean, listen, dispensaries across the country can't have to do everything in, in cash. And they, cash. they have the armor stocks. Backup they have banking. They bring I, it to the government. Here are my taxes and bags of cash. I was in because uh, I've okay. done business in the in the West Coast and the Pacific Northwest. So I've spent time in Seattle and in Oregon. And I think it was in a I was in an Uber once with someone who owned the dispensary, and he's like, to pay my taxes, I have to show up in person with a bag of cash. Bag of cash. Bag and of cash. I'm like, what? And he's like, you can't do transactions. You can't do yeah. anything banking wise. I'm like, that's not like a. But back to what you were saying before with Stephen was, that's not necessarily like a like. How do you like? How do you create this whole industry around something that you can't do banking in? Well, that that's like the thing. Like, you know, so I said, like, do people want federal legalization right away? No, but what do they want? They want this something called the Safe Banking Act that's uh -huh. in Congress right now, which would allow, you know, people to bank. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you like a funny story, like how, what's different about those industries. So we signed a new client um, about two years ago. I flew out to California. I'm having this meeting with him, you know, trying to close the deal. So we come to, he's like, you know, we come to an agreement of what, what, what the retainer is going to be a month, you know, and I'm about to, and he's like, so do you take cash? Let me do, I take cash. <laughs> he's like, well, do you take cash? I'm like, <laughs> like, do you want to receive? I'm like, do you, do, like, do do you want to receive? Just talk about what this monthly retainer is. And <laughs> I walked out with a wad, wow. a wad of cash. And I sent a picture to my husband in the car. And now he's like, what is that? I'm like, this is like my living, you know? <laughs> so like our, this is, here's I called my partner. I'm like, what do I do with this? He's like, Instagram. Bank. Like, I'm supposed to go with like $10,000 in cash and put it in the bank. But it was crazy. It was That's crazy. crazy. Did he ask for now, a receipt? Now they send a check. Did he ask yeah. for a receipt? <laughs> No. Like he said, and he said, let's start the retainer next month. You know, like right. the legal things we say not to put on, on, right. on you know, edit that out. No, we cause it in the bank, but it was yeah. very crazy. Like they get paid in cash, right? That's so it's crazy. much easier for him to give me cash and try to like pay via credit card or do right. because wow. they use credit unions. It's a pain. So I was there and gave me cash. Right. So, so I actually like the model and I've kind of like deep dived into of, of cookies and I yeah, want you to talk. A, yeah. I want you to talk a little bit about that. Cause I feel like they've really figured out a way to kind of like, you mean edibles in general or just no cookies, cookies. No, the brand cookies, the brand cookies. Oh, they're based out, I think California and they've done a, an amazing, yeah, I so think they're like one of the only like brands in cannabis and actually one of our companies. So they, so what, so anyway, so what's different about working in cannabis, right? This is the, to the point of that last question is, right. so if I am Coca-Cola, right? I've got a couple of plants around the country, right? And I ship my Coca-Cola. I've got a plant in Arkansas and then I ship it to Alabama, right? right? But like in cannabis, it's state by state. So I can't produce everything in California and ship it to Nevada or to Washington. Mm -hmm. What I need to do is I need to have a partner in every state, okay? Oh, my wow. brand. So I, I ship that recipe to every brand, every like um, state. So cookies is an amazing job of this. So they have probably 10 or 15 different partners. Like our, our client Ascend, EWH, they are their partner in Illinois and Michigan. So mm -hmm. if you go to Illinois, Michigan, um, Ascend is making their products, right? And so they've got a partner in Florida and they've got partners. So they're able, they're going to be one of the first national brands. They're going to be probably been a year in like 20 states. But an interesting thing I, I they also do is like, they were very big like on their brand. Apparently like, they, um, you know, they're able to send like bags to other companies. Yeah. So they really figured it out, like how to get this national brand. 
So yeah. wow. they're, they're one to watch. They're doing well. Burner, they're doing a great job. Yeah, I think they're like their merchandising, like everything, their T-shirts, everything. And, and at least they're poised to be in a position where if someone larger would come along and actually acquire them and say, well, we'll buy the entire cookies yeah. franchise, we'll call it that, for X amount of dollars because – they're already building the scale from state. Exactly. State. They're like licensing basically. Like if yes. you've been to licensing expo, like they're just yeah. like any other license, right. you know, like yeah. Bailey's milk, you know, Bailey's like coffee rich, same thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, couple, just a couple more questions and we'll let you go. Um, what was it like to be on a cover of uh, industry trade show, uh, trade, trade, trade magazine? It was a dream come true. I will say. Oh, like, that's I, I cool. I have to pinch myself because it, it's being on the other side, you know, like we, that's what I do for a living. Like we have our clients on the cover and then they called me and asked me to be on the cover. I couldn't believe it. And it was such a fun day getting your hair and makeup done. And yeah, doing the, I watched the video and I like the behind the scenes, like yeah, how- and the whole like hair thing. <laughs> it, it was good. It, it was some good hair that day. Um, and also it was the best part was honestly, and I talk about that in the video is like the, everyone says like, what's the best part about working on it? They might, oh, it must be like so great to work in weed. It's really like I mentioned a couple of times, the people in this industry are amazing. The relationships that I've made have been so rewarding. I'm, I'm so close to some of my clients. They're dear friends, get invited to each other's kids, bar mitzvahs, all that mm-hmm. type of thing. Like it's really, it's been great. And so the reaction to the cover, it was beyond what I ever could have imagined. Like the, the notes, like the comments on LinkedIn, like, mm-hmm. I, it was just very nice to to hear from everybody in my life. And like now, as I was joking with my husband, like t- yesterday was January 1st. So like the, my, my reign is over, you know? Yeah, like, the news cycle, the news cycle. I'm not <laughs> used to being on that side of it. So it, I'm glad to be back in the shadows. We have a client on the cover of it. So it, life is back how it should be. Yeah, you're you normalized right. to normalized, a certain extent. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this is uh, any tricks to managing a large team, like even COVID, like um, any kind of you know like what? it really it's been this has been actually the biggest learning part. Like I was a sole practitioner. I never ran a company. I didn't set out to have my own PR firm. Right. And now managing 40 people and I have a partner like who who came in and he's like a longtime entrepreneur and he's run companies. So he's really mentored me how to become like a CEO because mm-hmm. I, I I don't do the things I used to do. Like I don't pitch media like I used to anymore. I don't, I, you know, I sit on strategy because, you know, I, I love it and it's my job. Right, totally. But like really a lot of the time is doing things like this. It's pitching new business. Like I'm, you know, I'm new, I am the new business team. Um, so like managing people, but I think we've done a real, we've done a couple of things that I, I'm very proud of. And we were named a PR week, you know, best place to work um, this year because we, we really do invest in our people over COVID. You know, when it hit, we did like, Zoom workout classes, the Zoom hot, um, cocktail hours. We have a therapist that's on that's on retainer with us now that anybody th- can anonymously go and speak to a therapist for oh, all wow, that's cool. our times. Good idea. And it's funny, I found out that people are still using it nine months later and like, I'm thrilled about that. You know? Yeah, wow. That's we a great a idea. We yeah. tested retreat in August. We all got tested and we went away to a house together in New York. So we're doing those things because it's all about the people. Like right. I, I get to be on that cover and everyone else is doing the work, right? Like I, I don't take that for granted. So, you know, we really invest in our people and we really want it. Like the most thing I'm most proud of is our company culture and the family like uh, unit we are. And that is like what I will like, I always say I will fiercely defend that. Like I'd rather, you know, I'd rather go out of business than have an unhappy staff. So we, we invest in our people. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. awesome. Um, I'm good. Do you have any other questions, oh, man, Steve? I think we covered everything. I, I mean, offline, good. I got to. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> I'm I appreciate that. Awesome. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, 
uh, you thanks. just save you just save me like thousands of hours of research because <laughs> I was going. I, down I love it. I this is like you know so many people have taught me things and and given me the heads up. So any way I can help other people get in this industry, like I, I want this to be like a long lasting industry that like I've been a part of growing. So as many people I can pull in, I'm into it. Awesome. Love it. This has been really great. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you for having to, me. This was fun. I'm glad Gila connected us. Yes. Yes. And uh, we'll make sure I'll send you the link so you can listen to the episode and then you great. can like, you can like laugh at ourselves. Um, yeah, and it will, we'll promote it. It'll be, it'll be fun. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right, thanks, guys. Um, have a great day. All, right. All the best. Take care. Bye now. Uh, to, uh, episode 11, Two Idiots and an Expert. Nice to see you. And we're back. I mean, I don't really do the and we're back until we're, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And we're back. And we're back. Why do you got to like be let down now? No. I'm that just, was a really great yeah, talk with Rosie. Great. Rosie Matteo of uh, Matteo Communications. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this week's expert. And uh, she talked and covered a lot of interesting. She was great. Yeah. I mean, I, I again, I. I, I could have uh, continued just talking to her, but you, you know, you, you shut me down. Yeah, I did? No. Oh, um, no, I, I wanted to go on further because I had a lot more things, but I think it was more very specialized. Nuanced? Yeah, very nuanced. She was so good. She covered a lot of subjects. Yeah, her knowledge. You, dude, what the hell? The notebook. Where'd that come from? And the info. Like, why can't you share any of that shit with me? I didn't know any of that. I'm like the idiot over here. No. Well, uh, 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 makes wait, sense. There now. we go. I'm going to have to bring someone on to make you look like an idiot. One idiot and two experts. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, no, listen, I found it. I, again, I, I wanted to kind of venture down that path and understand the industry. So I spent a lot of time, a lot of time, a decent amount of time researching when? it. But this was old stuff, you said. Yeah, it's about a, maybe like a few months ago. I just kind of wanted to learn more about that industry. Uh-huh. And I started to kind of do a bunch of research. And I felt like I could, I'm going down like a, a hole here that I could be in, stuck in for a while. Yeah, totally. Because um, there's so much there. And again, it is a bit of the Wild West. When I did you start do that, to- like I said before, I did do research for someone and have a con. It's, it's not that. The barrier of entry, I mean, she made it seem very easy, but it's not. Well, I still, I think they're still trying to figure out so many things and, and, and parts of all this stuff. And remember, like what I said. When the big boys really get involved, it's going to change the entire dynamic. I know, of it, but this that from what I know, there's there like she said about pharma, they're years away from that. No, that's my point. No, but you know that it's when something gets so big, they're going to get involved. I got an idea. Sure. Two idiots in an expert cafe. What does that even mean? We should start our own cafe in Jersey. We have like we could serve coffee and weed and weed. Oh, all right. And we could sit and. And, and talk and people <laughs> we can come in. We can do a podcast from there. Can we just get coffee? It could be like there? a, it could be like a place where people come to do like do their. It could be a safe space, space, space. Okay, I mean not crazy. We call it. Um, two, but I, listen, I, I loved it. I, I again talking to people like Rosie is why we do this show because I learned a lot, so much from her about an industry that I was thinking about getting into. Not really sure where to even start. Not sure how to begin. And and the research I was doing was like. Maybe not fast. Yeah, well, not half fast, but I. But now, like, I connected with someone who has so much knowledge and understands the space and understands all the nuances that, like, it's just you know. Listen, it was. I thought it was a great, great, great great talk. She was great. I thought you were great. The whole thing. I thought you were great. Thank you. Um, I, yeah. She. I mean, we covered it. I mean, I. I, I, Let me ask you this. Sure. To the person who's called you and said we're not following our original plan here. Yeah. Did we? 
That's what I'm trying to understand. Yeah, I think we did. I think what we did is we showed our limited knowledge of what we have in an mm-hmm, industry, which mm-hmm. is limited. Yeah. And then you speak to someone who's an expert and just her her vocabulary and understanding of all these things, like even the even the companies that I was looking at, like she like I'm looking at it from like really like a third party kind of like looking in. She's in looking right. out. Right. It's a totally different view. It's the real view. So to me, I would say to that person, you know, that Screw I think, off. Yeah, I think we're I'm doing it right. <laughs> Make sure everybody uh, follow us on social media at Two Idiots Expert. That's the number Two Idiots Expert. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Yep. Um, go to CafeJoe.com and t- use the promo code Two Idiots Twenty. Number Two Idiots Twenty. Number Twenty for twenty percent off your order. That's. I thought n- it was thirty percent off. No, twenty. That would make sense. 20. <laughs> two Idiots Twenty is twenty. No, so what was the thirty? That we was had- their own website. Oh. That ended. Now okay. you can go on use two idiots. Get twenty. And get twenty. Got it. Um what else? That's it, man. Is there I, any other I housekeeping? We, no, Anything? I think we covered uh, it all. Well, we've got some really good guests coming up. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah, experts. And, oh, buy a mug. Context is to buy a mug. Yep. And uh that's it. You know, uh, everyone have a great week. Thank you for listening. Stay safe out and there. Stay safe and get vaccinated. Get vaccinated and spread love.